Coming up, mysterious villains, stalker musicians, and obnoxious chillins. Plus, soul-sucking yoga. Your questions answered on Ask the Goat, and a quick visit to Mr. Robertson's neighborhood. All this and more on this episode of Kiss the Goat. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The ceremony is about to begin. My name is X, and this is Kiss this the Goat. Light a candle for the sinners. Set the world on fire. This circle is closed. Nothing is true, and everything is permissible. You are listening to episode 19 of Kiss the Goat, and welcome to it. Please acknowledge from beyond the veil the patron saint of Kiss the Goat, John Carradine. And this is John Carradine. Witches, they pray. I know the secret. Full moon, killing things. I want to take the brain of a lesbian and put it into the body of a man who works for the telephone company. Yes, but why? What good will this do anybody? It'll show those fools who call me mad. We're headed back to our favorite stomping grounds on this show, Italian Horror. It's 1973. The Exorcist has just come out, and it's huge. That thing is making money hand over fist. Audiences are vomiting in fright. Attendance at churches across the United States rises sharply. It sounds like the beginning of Escape from New York, doesn't it? (laughs) 1997, now! And seriously, what producer wouldn't want in on that action? So leave it to a video asinitis and Edward L. Montoro to come up with a movie deemed so much of an exorcist ripoff that Warner Brothers sued to have the movie pulled from release. We'll talk more about both asinitis and Montoro later in the show, so stay with us as we tiptoe in, knock gently, and peek at what lies beyond the door. That is not a euphemism. The Nanoaser is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hey, Wazelle, I think we should record a new ad for Bananoaser. Great idea, Dave. We should say that Bananoaser Horror Podcast is hosted by us and Alex. What? I heard my name. I think we should talk about the retrospectives. They've been a pretty big hit. Fucking Friday the 13th, Saw, Halloween retrospective. Yeah, man, I've heard people listen to that Halloween retrospective every October like it's tradition. Yeah, you don't say. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. I do, too. You listen to your own podcast? Yeah, uh, our shit is that damn good. Yeah, man, we should also say in the ad we hope to introduce horror fans to something new, whether it's a movie they haven't heard of or look at other films in a new way. Yeah, we could talk about our walking through the 80s specials we did when we covered the 80s movies. We could talk about rolling through the 70s. We could talk about you doing mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah, we can. Are you writing this down? Writing? What are you two talking about? 
Yeah, and the ad should say all the technical stuff, too. Like, you can find our show and its full archive on Horrorphilia.com, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Um, is there anything else? I don't think so. I think that's... Oh, well, hold on. We could talk about uh, Banana Bites, because no one else does it. It's uh, the in-between episodes. Yeah, all about horror news releases, and, of course, with our witty opinions and observations. Ugh. Yeah, shit. Perfect, man. I think that should do it. This new ad for Banana Laser is going to be awesome. Oh, that's what you guys are talking about. Can I be on it? No. <laughs> Banana Laser wins every time. Are you tired of the same old stuff Hollywood puts out week after week? You know, all those less than appealing remakes. Those films with over-the-top CG and no storyline? Well, we don't have to take it anymore thanks to the 2015 B-Movie Celebration. Polyscope Media presents the 9th Annual B-Movie Celebration. In 2015, we're going to go back in time, back to 1985 to be exact. The 9th Annual B-Movie Celebration will feature the following films from this time period. Fright Night. Malibu Express. The Last Dragon. Invasion USA. Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. Return of the Living Dead. Trancers. Reanimator. Morons from Space. The Stuff. Life Force. Defcon 4. Damnation Alley. Better Off Dead. Godzilla 1985. Along with those 80s classics, we're going to showcase The Blob from 1958 and Death Race 2000 from 1975. So pack those bags, recharge that flux capacitor, and join us for the 9th Annual B-Movie Celebration on August 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2015 at the Brown County Playhouse in Nashville, Indiana. For updated information on this event, bookmark the bmoviecelebration.com website using your favorite browser, and we promise to have you home back in time. Titles mentioned in this promo are subject to change without notice. The Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts podcast is an official sponsor of the 9th Annual B-Movie Celebration. Come to the right place. My name is Gary and I'm your guide to Cinema Beef Podcast. Every episode we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films. Sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet! Alright, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, and listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. Three, be nice. So join the insanity and please vent your frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Seven Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. We're back, and it's time to find out what's going on in the eternal battle between good and evil, even if figuring out which side is which can lead to some fuzzy thinking. Hit the music! It's time for Satan in the News!
Hindus are pissed off at an Irish Catholic priest named Roland Calhoun for a mass he presented in early February of 2015. During a sermon based on the devil and exorcism, he warned parishioners of the satanic dangers of yoga. That's right, folks. You've been stretching for Satan this whole time and never knew it. Now, the president of the Universal Society of Hinduism, Rajan Zed, is urging Pope Francis himself to discipline Father Calhoun for his words. Zed noted that the Vatican Library has various yoga texts, <clears throat> including Bhakti Yoga, Yoga, and Yoga Powers and God Realization. Father Colhoun also spoke out against the practice of Indian head massage. Uh, here's a quote from Father Colhoun, which we found in the Northern Ireland newsletter. Quote, the Indian head massage. While I haven't done a great study into it, the difficulty is that it involves the laying on of hands on another person's head. There is a risk when you do that because that is a rite we use in the sacramental practice for the communication of the Holy Spirit in baptism and confirmation and ordination as well. But if you do that outside of a sacramental rite, you're running the risk of communicating a bad spirit, not the Holy Spirit, end quote. <laughs> so this brings other things into question. Should we wear hats? And are hats protection from external demons, or are they simply keeping our own personal demons inside our heads? Most importantly, how shall we then shampoo? This is an ongoing story, and we'll be sure to keep our eyes on it. Father Calhoun stands by his statements, while millions of Hindi folk believe he's a loon. So if the good father is disciplined, we'll let you know. Let's go over to Brazil now for a story brought to us by our acolytes at the Facebook page. Uh, yes, the Facebook page. Please come join us there at facebook.com slash groups slash kiss the goat. And you can hang out with us and our acolytes over 100 strong for the record for good times and terrifying pictures. Hey kids, did you ever wonder what it sounds like when a Brazilian cop exercises a demon from a suspect before arresting them? Yeah, all the time. Well, isn't this your fucking lucky day? Because it sounds just like this. That's Lieutenant Ricardo Mendez dealing with Rodrigo Betty. Now, Betty was just hanging out on the corner, you know, like you do, shouting insults at pedestrians. Officer Mendez grabbed Betty by the head and began speaking in Latin, while another officer held Betty from behind. This, in Brazil, is not weird. In Brazil, this must happen all the time. Now, the suspect began writhing about on the ground, and he began speaking in a different voice. Now, of course, this had nothing to do with the fact that a Brazilian cop had him by the head. 
A police spokesman said, although not in Latin, quote, The officer acted properly in the situation and did not abuse his authority. He believes in God and regularly goes to church, end quote. The suspect was released the following day, and he thanked Officer Mendez and said, I can't remember a thing about last night. I must have been possessed by something. Yeah. PCP. You were possessed by PCP. Now, will this work in America? Uh, sorry, I pooped on your horse, officer. I'm possessed by the devil. Can you please lay your hands on me before you take me in? No, you can't lay your hands on anyone anymore. What if the person's been doing yoga? Oh, this lawless land we live in. Is there no respite, no reprieve? Nope, not a bit. And it's all Facebook's fault. At least, according to Pat Robertson. Now, this one comes from the fantastic website, The Frisky. People still write Pat Robertson letters seeking spiritual advice, which honestly seems to make as much sense as asking Shane McGowan for dental hygiene help. Even if, and that's a big if, Robertson's heart is in the right place, he is still a dementia-stricken madman. Well, a well-meaning woman named Cynthia wrote to Uncle Reverend Pat with this concern. She says, My daughter is pregnant with her first child, my first grandchild, and obviously there is a lot of rejoicing and excitement. Young parents now regularly post fetal ultrasound photos as their Facebook photo. From a spiritual point of view, is there any harm in doing this? Please give me your thoughts on this. Pat almost pulled it off. He almost sounded sane, but then after about one sentence, he, he just went flying off the rails. I don't think there's any harm in it, but I tell you, there are de demons and there are evil people in the world. And you post a picture like that and some cultist gets hold of it a covet and they begin muttering curses against an unborn child. I just don't think that... This business of, I mean, posting the most intimate parts of your body on, on Facebook, I just can't see it. It To me, it's, a, it's abhorrent, but it isn't necessarily unbiblical. It's just abhorrent. Right. And, and maybe unwise, as you said. You need to think that you through. Never you never can tell know. what somebody's going to do. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so there you go. <clears throat> Don't show your fallopian tubes or your uterus on the Internet, or else crazed cultists could curse your cunt. I like how he says it isn't unbiblical. Of course there's nothing about Facebook in the Bible. Facebook for Bible people was like a cave drawing or a carving of some kind. It didn't matter if you liked it, especially in Rome. Fuck, if you didn't like the emperor, you wound up playing Gladiatorville in real life. Oh, Pat Robertson is just a treasure trove of weird and terrible things. I wonder what he thinks about yoga. He probably... Damn, he probably thinks it's delicious if you get the kind with fruit on the bottom. Probably so. <laughs> well, that's it for Satan in the News. Right after this break, we'll take a look beyond the door. See you on the other side. 72 movies that shocked a nation and made an infamous list of video nasties. Hi, I'm Duncan McLeish and... You can join me and my co-host, Andy Blockley. Hello, hello. As we chat about the 72 films, reviewing them all from the Video Nasty List, live on our podcast. Tell them about it, Andy. Okay, 1982. 
20,000 films received in London alone because they were too nasty to be watched. Come and find out why. That's right. The show's called Doing the Nasty Podcast. You can find it exclusively on the Horrorphilia Network of Podcasts. Come and check us out. I'm Steven Seagal. That's right, Steven Seagal. And for the past 40 years, in between barbecue and oxen and roasting ball for my insatiable appetite, I never miss an episode of Doctor Action and the Kick-Ass Kid commentaries. Isn't that right, Johnny? Hi, I'm Doctor Action. Hi, and I'm the Kick-Ass Kid. When I'm not watching action films, I'm usually polishing my gun while looking at a bat. And when I'm not watching action films, I'm normally outside with a harpoon killing puppies. But usually, you can find us both watching 80s, 90s action films. You could follow us on Twitter, Doctor Action Kickass. You can find us on our main page, which is DoctorActionKickass.blogspot.com. You can also find us on iTunes and TalkShoe. Yes, every week we do a commentary on an 80s and 90s action classic, and where we can, we also provide the film so that you can watch along with it. This podcast explodes. Hey, where's that baby mama at? I gotta tell you somebody. Movies need only three things. Badasses. You tell me who you want done, and I'll do the hell out of it. A chick with drive who don't take no jive. Boobs. Do you know that the female breast, known to be the source of life since Eve, can be deadly weapons? And body counts. Body count. The Mathematics of Murder and Menace. The BBNBC podcast discusses lesser-known action, exploitation, and horror cult cinema. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, and SoundCloud by searching for BBNBC Podcast. You can also listen to each episode directly on the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Got the goddamn message? Let's go to work. The Door. Where demonic possession lives and evil penetrates the soul. Step inside, if you dare. Who are you? Jessica has gone beyond the door. At first, she didn't believe, but she does now. George, you're going to help me, George? Take me away from here. Remember Jessica? How beautiful she was. Sensitive, like a child. This is my child, mine, do you hear? I'll never let you kill it. It will be born. I'll kill anyone who tries to take him from me. I'll kill you, I'll kill you. Mommy, mommy. Inside her, a new life is struggling desperately to compel itself into existence. Just as I thought. I knew it. Is that all you're going to do to help me? Biological absurdity. That the development of the fetus is proceeding with absolutely incredible speed. Papa. 
Don't leave Ken and me alone again with Mommy. You can't stand the thought of their existing being so powerful and strong as to break through. No one must attempt to interfere with her pregnancy, you understand? The child must be born. Beyond the door, where demonic possession lives and grows and grows and... Beyond the door, we dare you not to believe. We are back on Kiss the Goat, and you have just heard the overwrought preview for 1974's Exorcist ripoff, Beyond the Door. Now, before we talk about Beyond the Door, we have to talk about the people behind Beyond the Door. What about Beneath, Behind, and Between? That's a Rush song. It is. This movie has two directors, just like Heather has two mommies. Robert Barrett is one of them, and he also co-wrote the screenplay, which makes it even funnier that the main male character in this film is named Robert Barrett. <laughs> Not much of a stretch for inspiration there. Well, there are actually ten people who worked on this screenplay, including a man named Alex Rebar, better known to schlock movie fans as the Incredible Melting Man. Really? In which movie? Another man who works on this script is Oliver Hellman. His real name is Ovidio G. Asinitis, a name I will make fun of until I die because Asinitis. It's, it's a good one. I'm sorry. I can't go out tonight, Catherine. My Asinitis is flaring up. I would tell you to kiss my Asinitis, but it may be contagious. <laughs> Asinitis also co-directed Beyond the Door and was a co-producer on the project. He became known as the Ripped King for being involved in such productions as Tentacles, which, of course, was meant to piggyback off of the success of Jaws. And make no mistake, Beyond the Door is an exorcist ripoff. It wears that right on its sleeve. In fact, Warner Brothers did file a lawsuit against the movie and its producers. Yeah, they wanted to sue his Asinitis off. The lawsuit, the lawsuit was dropped when the court ruled that Warner had no rights to certain story elements and key scenes from The Exorcist, meaning that anyone could use those specific things. The movie cost $350,000. It brought back a domestic return of $15 million. <coughs> Some worldwide reports edged closer to a $40 million return. That's 1974 money. Uh-huh. Now, this was excellent news for another producer of the film, Edward L. Montoro. Now, his company, Film Ventures International, was known for derivative drive-in schlock movies. The financial success of Beyond the Door helped him finance and distribute the movie Grizzly, which was one of the better nature-gone-crazy movies of the 70s. That movie brought in over $39 million worldwide and was the highest-grossing independent film of 1976. So a couple years later, he brought out Day of the Animals, but it was nowhere near the success that Grizzly was. He still had a pretty decent run of hits, though, including the recently re-released sci-fi movie, The Visitor, Mortuary, with Bill Paxton, and one of our personal family favorites, Pieces. 
1984, Montoro acquired the Italian film The Last Shark. He retitled it Great White, set up an advertising budget of about $4 million, and released it. Unfortunately, it was so much like Jaws that Universal Pictures sued. Now this time, the big studio won out over the little guy, and it was pulled from theaters in its second week of release. Soon after the failure of the <coughs> white, things got worse for Montoro. Um, his wife left him, and his final film, Mutant, did really poorly at the box office. He ended up stealing $4 million <coughs> from his company and disappearing. To this date, he hasn't been found. Some people say he went to Mexico to start over. Some say he got involved with the wrong people and met an unsavory end. And some people say if you stand on the beach during a full moon at midnight, you can still hear him rewinding a 35 millimeter print. Um, it doesn't matter. It's a mystery, and it's one that may not be solved until after the man dies. If he isn't dead already. Right. I mean, we just we don't know. So now that we've talked all around the movie, let's talk a little bit about the movie, which starts out in a most unorthodox way. We, the audience, are directly addressed by the devil. Hell's own Morgan Freeman wants to remind you. Ladies and gentlemen, may I ask for your attention? Just for a minute. Soon you'll be caught up in the events taking place on the screen, and then you may forget all about me. Well, almost, anyway. You see... I must confess to a certain feeling of propriety towards the story that's about to begin, because, immodest though it may sound, I play an extremely important part in the proceedings. In fact, without me, there really uh, wouldn't be any story at all. Of course, you won't actually see me. Unfortunately, in recent centuries, that has gone out of fashion. Although there was a time when I was always being painted or impersonated in one way or another, as you know, I've always been given the best lines. However, like all of us, I'd have to learn to adapt to what is absurdly called a rational age. And I've done so by, uh, well, shall we say, by going underground. And no doubt some of you, the rationalists, the skeptics, will say, like the little girl in this picture, that what you can't see can't exist. Well, my friends, you go on thinking that as long as you can. Because sooner or later, one way or another, you'll discover your mistake. Anyway, now I'll leave you alone in the dark and let my little story take over. Enjoy yourselves, but don't forget that that stranger sitting on the seat next to you could be me. And then there's a cult ritual with more candles and that goddamn police video where Sting's running backwards in slow motion. The girl who's about to be sacrificed is naked, of course. And for just a second, her face grows a beard and a mustache, and she looks like Jesus. What the fuck? <laughs> it's really trippy, but what do you expect? It's a black masonitis. <laughs> Star of stage and screen, Juliette Mills is the one to do the sacrificing, but she drops the dagger and runs off with the help of a mysterious man named Dimitri. Wait. The devil is still talking. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's unclear if any of the people he is talking to actually hear him or if he's just talking through the movie. You know, like an asinitis hole. After helping Juliet escape, Dimitri was allowed to live 
by the devil. He was given ten more years. Those years are almost over, and if Dimitri wants to prolong his life, he needs to find Juliet Mills and rip her unborn baby from her womb. Now, this is a strange request, but the devil proves his point that he has ultimate power over Dimitri by getting Dimitri's foot stuck between the gas pedal and the brake pedal of his car. Yeah, Dimitri is a horrible driver. Yeah. He drives off the side of a bridge, but the devil literally freeze frames his car in <clears throat> midair. Does he live? Does he die? Which one of these? So the next thing you see is famed Italian horror actor Gabriella Lavia. It seems like he was in, fuck, every Jello and Italian supernatural movie in the mid-70s and 80s. Now in this movie, he plays a record producer. He's working with a funk band, and they're making an album called Bargain with the Devil. He has no rhythm. They show him snapping his fingers to the music, and he is not listening to the same thing everyone else is. <laughs> it is the whitest thing I have seen since Steve Martin in The Jerk. It's horrible. <laughs> He's just sitting there going, what the hell is he listening to? Is he twitching? <laughs> is, is there a seizure involved? I just don't understand. Well, meanwhile, his wife who, of course, is world-famous cult escapee Juliet Mills, is driving around San Francisco with her two children. <coughs> now, these are the most obnoxious, terrible children I may have ever seen in any movie ever. Seriously, they are awful. There's the daughter, whom I have affectionately named Cuntface Lawson. She has 12 <laughs> copies of the book Love Story. 12 copies. As soon as she finishes one, she picks up another and starts it over. And then there's the little boy, whom, again, I have given a nickname. He is Shit-Eyes McGillicuddy. <laughs> this kid drinks Campbell's green pea soup directly from the can. I shit you not, a straw in a Campbell's soup can. Now, I think this is supposed to be an exorcist joke, but it's not funny. <laughs> and both of these children swear like sailors. They misbehave cruelly and... Really, they're the only reason I can think of for pouring concrete directly into my vagina. <laughs> Seriously. Because if I ever, ever had a child who turned out like that, I would cook it. Well, never mind. Thankfully, X got a vasectomy, and he and I will never spawn. <laughs> now, their cussing doesn't really match up with the standard badly matched Italian movie dubbing, which makes it even more disconcerting. And the worst thing is, Juliet is pregnant, and no one is happy about this. Gabriella's not happy, cuntface and shit-eyes aren't happy, hell, Juliet's not happy. In fact, Gabriella voices his concern that the children will, at that point, outnumber them, and that they will be hacked to death in their sleep by the children. It's a legitimate concern. I think so. I worry about that even now. Well, and no wonder Juliet's not happy. She's throwing up blood. Or maybe it's cherry pie filling. I don't know, something. It's red. Anyway, her doctor says she's three months along, which is twice as far as long, far along as she thought she was. So apparently she's got nobody to keep track of her menstruitis. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yep. <sighs> 
Alright, while looking through some old pictures, she finds a photograph of herself and Dimitri back in the old carefree devil-worshipping days. And her face contorts with rage, and she hurls an ashtray through her husband's gigantic aquarium. Water pours out, glass shatters everywhere, and the fish flop around, gasping for air. Poor goldfish. I wonder if she wanted to break it. I'm not sure. Well, I'm telling you now. It wasn't an accident. I wanted to break it. It wasn't an accident. I wanted to break it. 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 Yeah, I think she wanted to break it. Well, that night, an unseen force that sounds like a cartoon tugboat with a bad case of the farts enters the house. Juliet levitates across her room, standing up, not a laying down levitate. It's like standing up, so she kind of, just kind of floats across the room while Shit Eyes is in the doorway of the bedroom, just kind of sucking on a can of Campbell's, watching everything, and she uh, just floats out of the house. And Gabriella, of course, wakes up and has no idea where she is, and he's panicked looking at the ruins of his aquarium. <laughs> and when she comes back, she refuses to answer any questions about where she has been. She simply leans onto his shoulder and cries, which really only means one thing. Double penetration. That's the universal symbol. Yep. That's it. That means not only have I been cheating on you, but I have been DP'd. I wasn't expecting it. I didn't fight it, and I'm not sure I wouldn't do it again just for the asinitis. <laughs> well, meanwhile, <laughs> cunt face and shit eyes are basically raising themselves. Because whenever shit eyes has a nightmare, cunt face tells him to cool it because she's blowing his mind. No idea what the fuck that means. It's, you know, it really is a shame that this movie didn't do anything to date it. Just to make sure that we knew which decade it was filmed in. Going for that timeless quality in a film is such a fucking hassle. Right? Yeah, that would take quire, uh, require care and, uh, you know, skill. Um, Shit Eyes has bruises on his chest and on his body, probably because while he's asleep, his mother's tongue kissing him. Ew. Well, you see it. It's there. Um, but the doctor can't find anything wrong with the kid, except for the fact that his mother is a raging crazy brains who looks like somebody's pasted fried okra to her face. <laughs> she does. <laughs> but it's to be expected, because Juliet's been eating bananas off the street and just being a general nuisance. No wonder Shit Eyes has a new invisible friend. Oh, wait, that can't be good. There's a fucking rocking chair that rocks back and forth by itself. The clothes in the closet rearrange themselves by pattern. And then all of their fucking dolls turn their heads. And the doll's eyes glow green and yellow, and the room starts to tilt from side to side while light shows between the slits of the hardwood floor. And it comes really close to almost being kind of a little scary. Almost. And then Cuntface goes to get Mommy out of bed. Well, Mommy's lying on her stomach, and her head turns all the way around, but her body doesn't move. Just like Linda Blair in The Exorcist. <coughs> and you can just hear lawyers all across America yelling, Sue! Sue! Should we sue? Yes! Sue! Do it! Do it! Write up the papers now! Like, 
Uh, the next day, Gabriella meets Dimitri, the old cultist himself, who's been stalking the family and keeping keeping tabs on them, because that's what stalkers always say they're doing. Uh, Dimitri says the only way to protect Juliet is to keep her inside and to make sure that the baby is born. Oh, and don't get her wet. Right, and don't feed her after midnight. Right. So the kids get sent off to stay somewhere. I don't know. A kennel? Death Valley? Jesus Camp? Who the fuck knows? Anyway, Dimitri and Gabrielle just stay in the house. Juliet is at about a level three on the demonic activity at this point. The house lights go on and off. Her vocal tone is lowered. There's an internal, external dialogue going on. And, of course, the spitting of much green slime. She tells someone to lick the vile whore's vomit. So she's, she's in the mood for entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's like somebody took an entire pound of spinach and put it in a fucking Cuisinart and yeah, and then just said, "Here, just hold this into your cheek for a couple of minutes, and then when I give you the cue, just let it leak out of your mouth. You'll be fine." Now the devil knows Dimitri is in the house, in the house, because it keeps yelling for him. There's also some weird, awkward conversation between Dimitri and Gabriella because you know, they both love Juliet and they want to do the right thing, but Dimitri insists they can't take her to the hospital or else she will die. Which is funny because normally hospitals are where you go to not die. Now this whole time, Gabriella starts to look more and more like Ronald McDonald. His ginger hair gets curlier and curlier and his mustache gets fainter his shoes get bigger is he loving it i don't know i think he might be (laughs) well the devil says he wants the baby to die dimitri wants to save the baby and the woman he's conflicted especially since she's possessed by the devil so what the fuck is really going on here why doesn't she just kill herself that would take care of everything This movie is filmed in San Francisco. All the exteriors were filmed in San Francisco on location. So, to kind of clear his mind, Gabrielle takes a walk. And in what is maybe the weirdest sequence of the film, he he is accosted by street musicians. (laughs) They come up beside him, they jump in front of him, they try to block his way, and one of the musicians is playing a bamboo recorder with his nose. With his nose. He doesn't use his mouth. He's straight up blowing through his nose. And then a couple of drummers show up. It's like being chased by your weird uncle's record collection. It's like, look, <laughs> look out, dude. It's Jean-Luc Ponty and Pablo Cruz. Oh, oh Pablo. <laughs> <laughs> well, while he's out for a walk, the doctor comes to the apartment with a brain machine. <laughs> a brain machine? A brain machine. Seriously, it's like an ancient IBM EKG machine. There are all these clips and wires and suction cups all over her head, like a combination medical device and hair curler. The machine (coughs) should have a plaque on it that reads, This hairstyles from the future machine was built in 1952 by Lockheed Martin and Boeing. It's from Tomorrowland. Exactly. Uh, The machine shows that Juliet has no cerebral activity, even though she moves and talks. 
so she's a Republican. Ooh. <laughs> when her husband goes in to talk to her by himself, he gets the full brunt of her demonic powers. Multiple Juliets appear around the room, all of them talking like Billy D. Williams selling malt liquor. She spins, she's spinning around in midair. She's spinning out chunky colors. And then he gets thrown out on his bitch ass by his wife, who weighs 90 pounds soaking wet. What an asinitis. Indeed. Now, this is when Dimitri gets all ballsy and starts with his I will intervene and bring the child into the world shit again, which is all well and good, except then the devil starts talking again, and we don't know who he's talking to. <laughs> is it the audience? Is it Dimitri? Is it the doctor? Is it the, the baby? We don't know, and there's no explanation for this, and the devil's babbling. It's just it's nonsense. He keeps babbling, too. It's the whole fucking movie. <laughs> well, it turns out that when the baby is born, Dimitri will die, and his soul will go into the baby. How does this benefit the devil at all? The devil wants the baby dead. It's, it, it just really doesn't seem well thought out. So Dimitri goes to get the baby out of Juliet Mills, and that's a scene. She's yeah. actually levitating in front of him so that her crotch is at face level with him. So literally, he could just—I guess he should just reach up with both hands and just start digging in it until he pulls out a baby. I don't know yeah. what they were expecting to do in that scene, but <laughs> it doesn't matter because ha-ha, it's a big joke. The devil was just fucking with Dimitri after all. He's not going to let him live. And then, remember the car from the beginning of the movie that was <laughs> left in freeze frame while the rest of the movie kind of went blithely on its way? Yeah, ten years ago. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> No, I don't even know if it was ten. I don't think it was ten years ago. I think it was like maybe a week and a half. I don't know. I don't know Regardless. what it was. Yeah, <laughs> I do, and that's the point. I don't know, but it doesn't matter because the devil hits the play button, and we see the car finally crash into the sea, and it kills Dimitri. Right. So once again, how the fuck does this work? Has the car been hanging there in physical space the whole time? Did nobody fucking notice it or ask any questions? Nobody called public works in on this? Or was it just a mental <clears> thing? <throat> is there any way to know the answer to this question? No, there is not. I mean, somebody should have at least seen that car and made some kind of deuce of hazard joke. Right? Yeah, them there deep boys are sure to speck of trouble now. Nothing. But here's what we do know. The baby is born with no mouth yeah baby has no mouth that's gonna make breastfeeding really difficult no mouth. well actually we we think the baby's dead well we hope yeah. the we hope the baby's dead yeah so <laughs> after that the next thing we see is the whole family on a boat now Juliet is wearing black like she's in mourning but there's no real indication that that's the case. Maybe she just likes to wear black when she's riding a boat. I don't know. Um, Cuntface is flirting with some other kid on the boat. And, and, and the kid is wearing a full-on captain's outfit, like with the, the hat with an anchor embroidered on it and everything. Douchebag. And he stops on the steps and winks at her knowingly, like, you're, you're ten. You are what ten. Are you thinking about? Put, what the, are you? put the double guns away, son. Seriously. 
So, Shit Eyes has a present. Now, this is a fucking present that his mother gave him in the first five minutes of the movie. And he has been holding on to it for the entire fucking movie. Just now decides to open it. Okay? Not real big on instant gratification unless it involves soup. Weird fucking kid. So he unwraps it, and it's a toy car. A small replica of the one Dimitri was driving when he went over the cliff into the sea. So instead of being a normal kid and playing with his new car, Shit Eyes throws it over the side of the boat. And we see Dimitri's car hit the water again. So there's some connection. We don't know what it is! What is going... We don't know! The fuck is happening in this movie? So after he throws the car over the edge of the boat, he turns around... And his eyes are glowing like the doll's eyes that night when all the stuff in his bedroom went fucking nuts. So, is he the devil now? Is he Dimitri? Don't know. Won't know. Because that's the end of the movie. Seriously. Well, there is a sequel, but it has nothing to do with the original movie. And neither does the second sequel, which just came out a few years ago and takes place on a train. (laughs) So that's beyond the door, which is not behind the green door. Despite me wanting to call it that the whole time we've been talking about it. (laughs) And we'll be back to complete our discussion in just a few minutes. Back in a quick Asinitis. mysteries in this world, and whether you believe or not believe, we gather to explore the strange and unexplained, where the paranormal is normal, and nothing tastes like chicken. We are Mysterious (coughs) exclusively on the Horophilia Network of Podcasts. My name is Mike. You may know me from the Evil Episodes Podcast, where we talk about all that's good and bad on horror television. But I watch a lot of movies, too, and you can hear me and my panel of guests talk about these on the Not So Evil Episodes Sidecast. My name is Doug. You may know me from the No Budget Nightmares Podcast. Every month, we choose a theme that allows us to talk about some movies that don't always get the love or seething hatred they deserve. My name is Iris. You may know me from the Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts podcast. Whether we're defending a movie we love or ripping apart a movie we hate, you can always expect some spirited and passionate discussion about movies on the Not So Legal Episodes podcast. My name is X. You may know me from the Kiss the Goat podcast. Join us once a month for unpredictable, not safe for work discussion about some of the best and worst movies ever made. There's not often a fight, but sometimes there is. That's a not so evil episode, Psychcast, turning movies inside out for your listening pleasure. You can find us on the Horror Philly Network, the Legion Network, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever fine podcasts are sold. Hey, Cherish. It's 8 o'clock. Is it time to get the show on the screen or what? Do you enjoy watching films with friends? Do you like to consume vats of alcohol? It's the 40s and some bitches, baby! Yeah! Me? I like beer. 
you like all that in none of those artsy fartsy films. Does this mean we don't get to go to the Fellini Festival? Fuck the Fellini Festival? Then watch and listen to Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. Every Wednesday, myself and a rotating panel of the filthiest podcasters I can muster up give you our comments, observations, and sometimes we might actually talk about the film as we class up some of your favorite films the only way we know how. As raunchy as we can. <laughs> What's this movie, PG? Oh, yeah. This podcast sure is fucking. Not only do you get the audio, but the video that goes with it. Just listen to the shit that comes out of these filthy pirates. <laughs> you don't need to get an erection when your cock's full of rigor mortis. <laughs> <laughs> fucking curb stomp a baby for a baconator right now. <laughs> I think the moral of the story is don't let Corky run Cerebro. Unforgivable. If you could stand all that, Come and get your fill and your fix of Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. All the cool kids are doing it. Two Drink Minimum Commentaries is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Goat Kissing and Such, dear friends. Just like that, it's time to play America's favorite game of hunting and collecting, Three Questions. Three Questions! So, question one, is this movie truly a devil movie? I'd say this movie is truly a voiceover movie. (laughs) (laughs) She never really get to see the devil. Um, In fact, the devil never actually identifies himself as the devil, even though you know it is. So, I think it is a devil movie by proxy. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, there's definitely some devilry going on some possession um no appearance of said devil which is disappointing on many levels for me yeah no kidding oh yeah i I don't know if there is a devil to this movie it's probably her two pre-existing kids yeah oh god hate those kids so much (laughs) all right so we're saying Sort of? It's devilish. It's devilish. Okay. Mm-hmm. Question number two. On a scale of one to six, how many horns high do you give beyond the door? I give it a two. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, it was okay as far as the whole possession thing. The chick that played Juliet, I thought, was pretty good given the role she was given. Um... That's about it. It made no fucking sense. It was ridiculous. The kids were obnoxious and annoying. And it was just... It was really a crap story. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was crap. To have like 8 to 10 people working on it, it really was a big just pile. Um, I also am giving it two horns. For the same reasons that you mentioned. It's completely... It's nonsense... Even when you think you have it figured out, you don't have it figured out. Which is great if you're watching, you know, a mystery. (laughs) You know? But this isn't Murder, She Wrote. This is Beyond the Door. And I expect a little bit more explanation as to what's going on. But, then again, it's Italian, so... No, I don't. No, I don't. (laughs) I don't expect that at all. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, finally, question three. 
why should our listeners watch Beyond the Door, or should they? Um, I say you should watch Beyond the Door if it's one of those movies that you've always heard about but never seen. You know, fuck it, may as well knock it off the list. But if you're just completely indifferent to it, you know, hey, let's watch be let's watch Beyond the Door. Watch that. Uh, it's this movie. Uh, no, nah, let's watch something else. How about, let's watch anything else. Let's watch. Hey, let's watch. Yeah, let's watch Cupcake Wars. <laughs> anything, anything you can find that is not this movie, just watch that instead. You'll be much happier. I think you should watch it just to have the contrast and realize how much better The Exorcist is. Oh, yeah, but The Exorcist is better than most things. Yeah. It's a good reminder. Though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, No, you have a good point. I'm, I'm certainly not denying that. <laughs> <clears throat> Here's the thing. You know, you may not like to drink. You may only drink at parties. <laughs> but if you just... <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Pussy. Um, but if you decide to watch Beyond the Door, you're going to want some alcohol to either help clear your head or to help further muddle it up. So regardless, folks, it's time for America's favorite drinking game, Drinking with the Devil, where your love of movies meets your disdain for your own liver. Woohoo! <laughs> so drink every time one of the kids says a swear word. Drink whatever Gabrielle Lavia pretends he has any kind of rhythm. <laughs> Drink whenever you hear the name Dimitri. Oh my god. Drink whatever Juliet Mills says, Who are you? Finally, our Grandmaster Challenge. Drink every time you think, I've seen that in another movie about demon possession. Holy balls. That's... Uh, yeah, we are trying to kill y'all. Sorry. <laughs> As always, let it be known that we do not condone or encourage underage drinking or alcohol abuse. However, they've, they've always, always worked, worked for, for us. us, and you're going to need that shit for Beyond the Door, trust me. Well, you know, the original title of this movie was Chise. Am I saying that correct? I can't remember. Chise, Chessy. Yeah, I think it's Chise. Chise. Okay, so it's Italian for who is it or who are you. So when she says that, it's the moment where she says the title of the movie during the movie. Oh! Huh? Now that is an interesting fact that I find interesting. <laughs> well, now let's have some interpersonal communication right here on the Internet. It's time to ask the goat where we answer our questions, and there's no such thing as TMI. I send you a love letter. Straight from my heart, fucker! You know what a love letter is? It's a bullet from a fucking gun, fucker! You receive a love letter from me, you're fucked forever! As the cootie bug rummages about in the malevolent mailbag. Rummage, rummage, rummage. Remember that you can always leave a letter or a message for one or both of us at our Facebook group page. Or at our evil email address, which is thegoatofmadness at gmail.com. Our first letter comes from Lisa Ann Carrillo, who wants to know, what's your favorite ID show? You mean like when I have to show people my ID? Mm, I'm wondering. That's that's usually, you know, when we go to a new liquor store that's not <laughs> you know, within the three-mile radius of our house. Right, right. <clears throat> Sorry, Lisa, we don't have one. Yeah, we don't, we don't 
even have cable, so I mean, I, we know what you're talking about, you know, like the stuff like the killer next door, or you know, a bear ate my baby on vacation while I was in jail, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, we we kind of like we like our true crime to be fake. Fake. Yeah. yeah we, like, we like false crime. <laughs> Give me a rewatch of Tenebrae. I'll I'll go with that. There you go. There you go. Uh, let's see. Jenny Ang has a question, and I have some background on this. She was out on the town this past weekend, and when she heard a rumor that Christopher Lloyd was walking around, he was filming a new movie. Doc Brown from Back to the Future? Was he in that? I didn't know. I thought he was great in the Piranha remake. It's so weird. Anyway, Jenny answered her own question, uh, which was, what's the new Christopher Lloyd project, by sending me a little news clip. So, here you go. If you, like Jenny, are trapped in the frozen hell of northern Minnesota, keep your eyes open for Christopher Lloyd, who is currently filming I Am Not a Serial Killer, based on a series of books by Dan Wells. Well, handy <coughs> piece of news for you diehard Chris Lloyd fans. He wasn't in Die Hard. Joseph Panarese wants to know what our favorite liquor is. Is he going to send us some? I don't know. Dream big. Shit. Vodka. Vodkila. Uh, Vodkila. <laughs> Either one. Vodka, tequila, both of them. Fuck. Um, yeah. Time. As Whatever. far I don't know. Let's talk brands. Just in case he really is going to send us some shit. Um, I'm, I'm pretty big on Sky. That's my favorite vodka. Blue Bottle's great. Yeah. Um, my favorite tequila is the top shelf shit, the Tres Generaciones, you know, the three generations tequila. Beautiful stuff. It's like water, so smooth. But, you know, mid-range, I like um, Salsa Silver. It's good. Now, is that for mixing or shooting? Because I think you have, don't you have a different for each... Each application? Um, yeah, if I'm being picky. A Ray Pizzotto is good, period, for shooting. So True. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Duncan McLeish would like to know what our favorite Hammer horror movies are. Oh, Duncan. I think you do this on purpose. Every show, he tries to throw some shit out there to trip me up that you instantly can pull, like, this complete encyclopedia <laughs> of knowledge out and be like, oh, well, yeah, blah, 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 fuck, 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 yeah, I know. Huh. No, I don't fucking know, Duncan. I had to have X send me a list of Hammer horror movies so that I could look at them and figure out if I have seen any fucking one of them. And I'll be honest with you. The only one that I know without a doubt that I have seen is Woman in Black. And I know that's really fucking recent, and I know that there was a lot of love-hate about it going on, but I fucking love that movie. X and I saw it at the Cheapy Theater out in West Knoxville, and I thought it was fantastic. My love for Daniel Radcliffe aside, I thought the movie was fabulous. It's legit. I liked it, too. I thought the, the sound design was fantastic in that movie, and that's what really, that's what sold it for me, was I was just like, fuck, I don't know where anything is coming from, and I am disoriented. chill. Yeah. It's, it's disorienting and terrifying, so yeah, I'm, I'm down with that. Um, um, I like Dracula AD 1972. 
because it is so 70s. And they tried to bring Chris Lee, his Dracula character, you know, and, and modernize it. So it's hilarious because everybody's wearing all these fucking, you know, Carnaby Street fashions, tromping through Chelsea, you know, being oh so cool Britannia. And then there's Christopher Lee there like, I don't give a fuck about your clothes. I'm going to eat you. So <laughs> I really I really do like that. And that's why I consider one of the lesser Hammer films. And I think it's a lot of fun. Um, beyond that, I also like Captain Kronos, Vampire Hunter, a great deal. And I loved To the Devil a Daughter from 76. Which I have not seen yet, but it is on our list to cover this year, Duncan. So... I'm about to be schooled. Yeah, that's probably going to come sooner than later. Um, another one from Duncan. Psycho or Peeping Tom, and why? Have you, I have haven't you, seen Peeping Tom. I thought you had seen that. No, I don't think so. Have I? I've, it's the one about the photographer who gets the women into his studios, but he actually has a weapon mounted onto his camera. You've not seen Peeping Tom. Mm -mm. Okay. Well then, my answer is Peeping Tom, and her answer will be Psycho. <laughs> but she's got a great Psycho story, so... I do. Have I not told our audiences my Psycho story? I don't know. Maybe we actually have new listeners. Who knows? Wouldn't that be crazy? Okay, hello, well hello, hypothetical new listeners. <laughs> Well, the first time I saw Psycho, I was 16 years old, and it was Halloween, and I was at my best friend's house, and I loved going to her house on Halloween, because we can celebrate it at my house, right? But her mother fucking decked out the whole house in cobwebs and pumpkins and little kitschy figurines, and they had a bonfire, and we did marshmallows and hot dogs, and it was fantastic. We carved pumpkins. I loved it. So I'm at her house. It's Halloween. We've already done the bonfire. We went back in because it was fucking cold. We're sitting on the couch watching movies, you know, like I do. And so <laughs> we're sitting there watching Psycho through the whole thing and got to that that final scene, you know, the the climax of the action in the film where he comes out in that fucking flowery dress and that bad wig with the knife, and she and I literally collapsed, fell off the fucking couch, laughing our asses off at how horrible and how awesome that climax was. So, Psycho has a pretty special place in my heart. It was a lot of fun. Now, having said that, both Psycho 2 and Psycho 3 are both really good follow-ups, so. Well, there you go. <clears throat> there you go. Um, but yeah, I like Peeping Tom better than Psycho because I have a lot more empathy for the main character, and to me, it's just more... There's... there's, there's it's, it's not like it's more graphic... But it's way more uncomfortable with how it deals with voyeurism. It just when when Psycho's over, you're kind of like, oh, that was intense, but it was fun. And when Peeping Tom's over, you're like, wow, I just want to run my entire body through a car wash to get the get the grime off me. 
yeah, therefore, I, why wouldn't I love the thing that makes me feel dirty? So... <laughs> <laughs> what you now i know right yeah so uh peeping tom for me all right well actually let's back up a step because i think we skipped one what? I, uh, I dropped a letter out of the mailbag this one's from alan mcpherson um he weighs in by asking what would be your favorite use of satan in television and he puts a little disclaimer on the end of that saying, excluding Elmo or Geraldo Rivera. Jesus. <laughs> Need we remind him that we don't have cables, so um, television right. series we have to catch up on on Netflix. However, we do understand what Fox News is. <laughs> and we do know who Simon Cowell is. So, those are my answers. I, I am fully behind you on those <laughs> <laughs> So, our last two questions go together. Um, this one is from Dave Zidano, who asks, What's better, beyond the door or behind the green door? To which Cindy Sin Fallon tenuously adds, how much foreplay do we need until we get in the back door? <laughs> oh, goodness. You know what? I guess strictly from a filmic point of view, um, behind the green door is way better than beyond the door. Um, same time period, roughly, but beyond the door doesn't give you an eight-minute-long, psychedelic, polarized uh, cum-shot montage. Nope. And you only get titties for, like, what, ten seconds at the very beginning of the film? Oh, yeah, that's right. The chick who turns into Jesus. Yeah, and she's not even on a trapeze. So... (laughs) No, but it's it's a cool kind of etched glass-looking pentagram thing. That's true. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, I mean... No interracial sex, no strange, eclectic peanut gallery out watching all the action, you know, rubbing <laughs> themselves. So, yeah, I think it's going to have to go with behind the green door for me, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. How much foreplay until we get in the back door? Tequila. And there's your answer. There you go. That's a good answer. I like that. Well... Now we've talked about both ass and asinitis, it may be time to wind this thing down. So a quick couple of reminders. First of all, please visit our show on iTunes and leave us a review. It doesn't take long, but I can't stress how important it is to the success of the show. And the excess of the show. The success and the excess. (laughs) Yay, vodka. Yay. Anyway, so please and thank you in advance. Hey, visit our website, kissthegoat.weebly.com, and visit our web store. We sell things. You buy them. The country's economy survives by the skin of its teeth. How awesome is that? Yay, economy. Yay. (laughs) And as always, thanks to Jason at the Horrorphilia Network for keeping our show alive and squirming. Listen to the other shows on the network. You've heard the promos for a few of them on this show. We don't just play them for fun, guys. Give some other folks a listen. More than likely, you won't feel too upset about it. Finally, thank you, everyone, for lending us your ears one more time. I suppose I should give them back now. They don't really fit. Yeah, your ears are smaller than that. I have cute ears. You do. 
Well, that's it. Over, done with, gone. This circle is open. Until next time, I'm Cootie. And my name is X. Hail Satan! <laughs> as long as he's not just talking and not doing anything else. Satan. Oh, well, yeah, because it's fucking boring. It's stupid. Tell you about what's going on in this film, but I will never show myself very, 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 very. Yeah, if he has, isn't, um, isn't, sorry. This is. Mm-hmm. Back that up. My family recently moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico because of my husband's work. And there are a lot of people interested in new age spirituality in our neighborhood. So they're teaching yoga, veganism, that sort of thing. Well, my teenage daughter now wants to do yoga. What do you think about it? Well, here's the deal. Yoga is, if it's nothing but stretching exercises, it's terrific. I mean, you can stretch. Stretch up high, stretch down low, do side, all that stuff. I mean, it's good for you. But along with yoga, they have a mantra. And the mantra, you say, is in Hindu. You don't know what the Hindu says, but actually it's a prayer to a Hindu deity. And so that you're just saying, it sounds like gibberish, and so you're saying, you know, Kali, 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 or whatever. But you're praying to a Hindu deity. You don't want your daughter in that. Stretching exercise is cool. Praying the Hindu deity is not too cool. <laughs> Chillins is a funny word. I like it. I, <laughs> I like that a lot. Give not just chillins. <laughs> not just chillins. All right, coming back. Uh, <coughs> <coughs> Hold on, hacking. <coughs> okay, ready. <laughs>